not having read anything around it, I, I struggle to understand how churches are accepting this thing that is obviously so uh, antithetical yeah. to Christianity. Welcome to the Walk in Truth Minisode, A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. Now, let's get into today's topic. So, salvation here is, I'm my Savior. I save myself by enlightenment. It's almost like Gnosticism. It's not, but it's like it. The Gnostics believe you needed the knowledge. The Christians had mere pistis, mere faith. They were to be pitied among all people because they only had faith. They had knowledge, indeed epinosis, the full, complete knowledge. And this says you need the full knowledge of the Enneagram and all that it has to offer to save yourself. So man is made in the image of God biblically, not anthropology, but we're fallen, sin, salvation. God, man, sin, salvation. Who is God? The Bible says there is a God. Sorry, there are two fundamental rules to get along well in life. Number one, there is a God. Number two, you are not he. Don't most of the New Age proponents of this deny even the concept of sin? Sin is, like in Hinduism, the only sin is the ignorance of who you really are. Atman in Hinduism, classical Hinduism, Atman, the soul is Brahman. Your problem is you think there's things called sin. You think there's duality and bifurcations and all this, nine or whatever number. There's only one reality, and that is divinity, and that's what you are. So this is totally messed up, not only anthropology, not only soteriology, but indeed, God proper. So, and by that way, that was proper grammar. There is, there is one God, and you are not He. This says you are divine. Now, you talk to your Christian friend, says, I don't believe that, but I don't believe that. But the system you're buying into does believe it. That's like I go to a doctor, and he's into bloodletting, right? Use leeches or otherwise, and you go, but he's he's a good doctor. I feel it's helping me. Uh, he's he's he's. He's jacked up. There's that term again. Sorry. Excuse me. You need to run, not walk to the next doctor. Bloodletting. Uh, we stopped doing that a long time ago. Leeches or otherwise. You're buying into a system that is radically from its roots, from its foundation. Not just its history, its current incarnations. It is radically, completely, totally antithetical to Christianity. And, to it's, and it's denial of Christ right at the heart, saying that you... Have to find the Christ consciousness, or you know, you are God. I mean, this hey, is... if I meet Jesus, I'm going to invite him to work to work it with me. We'll work the system together, like a like a, in a AA session. I'm not knocking that, but I come work the system with me. I need a partner anyway. Mm-hmm. No, it says Jesus is my savior. He doesn't need my help. He doesn't need my contribution, as Luther <laughs> said to one guy who's saying, I don't contribute anything to my salvation. There's nothing I do. And in exasperation, Luther said, okay, there is one or two things you contribute to your salvation. What is it? Your sin and your rebellion. Yeah. Now, uh, a local teacher who is holding this up as a great tool said that it is used in that context to help God uh, help out people. So we're helping God out. He needs a little help, you know. He needs some extra tools in his toolkit, so we're helping him out. Sure, that's, that's basically that'd it. be like when my children were younger. I wanted to clean the house before mom gets home, and so my son sticks a garden hose in the mail slot into the house, and he wants to help dad. 
Help like that, I don't need. <laughs> we have a question over here. Hello. Hi, Professor. Thank you. So, been to Sandals. <laughs> Done. Did the Enneagram test. Paid 10 bucks. I loved it, in all honesty. Okay. So I got some questions. So concerning, like, um, example would be the Christmas. You guys use a bunch of examples. Christmas was once like a pagan holiday. And as Christians, we transformed it into Jesus' birthday. Correct? So I guess kind of going with that, is there any way to kind of transform this? Is it worth it? I guess in your opinion, probably wouldn't it be to try and save the Enneagram? Because I just know so many churches that are already so deep into it and so many spirit-filled pastors have done amazing work and then now that they've adapted the Enneagram, you know, mm-hmm. do you guys hear my question? I yes, a lot. no, we hear you. Appreciate you. I appreciate your honesty and the spirit in which you're asking that, so thank you so much. Really, it's very refreshing. The difference is Christmas, and we can debate it, but, but, but Christmas, uh, the church chose to try to transform it, and we can debate. Some would still disagree with that, and some think it's okay. And Sinterklaas actually was a saint in Nicaea and did give good gifts unto children. Santa Claus is patterned after him, uh, uh, St. Nicholas, literally. Um, the problem is, though, but I'm going to argue the, the Enneagram is... From the ground up, inside out is completely unbiblical. It's antithetical. So, yeah, if we're talking Mithraism or whatever, or the birth of whomever at uh, at Christmas time, that's been taken out. And again, I still have some issues with that. But but if you take out the guts, if I can use that term, of the anagram, there's nothing left. There, see the nine personality types only exist if you understand the whole system, that it's a reflection of cosmic reality and the divinity that flows through all of us and courses through all of us. So to do the Enneagram and make it biblical, you'd have to take all of that out, and there's nothing left, I would argue. And to me, you used some examples earlier. There's some things like uh, crystal balls or tarot cards. Can they be right? Could someone say they got help from it? Or, you know, other forms of divination, magic, spiritism, sorcery. There's all kinds of people who claim they were helped, but the source, again, is unbiblical, and the results are unbiblical. So if you, if you use the date example, Saturnalia, December 25th, etc., if indeed it's true that the church tried to counter a pagan festival with a celebration of the birth of Christ, no one, I don't think anybody in the church is bowing down to a Christmas tree or anything like that. Obviously, there's pagan elements in the culture. But what the church did, if that's indeed what happened, the church tried to supplant the worship of a pagan god with the worship of the true Christ. Not use the tool of something, like a Christmas tree or something like that, or concepts within the paganism itself, but to rather supplant it with the focus of the, of the birth of Jesus Christ. So there's a difference there in... The, the the approach, the Enneagram is the tool in and of itself that still remains. It's the be-all end-all. Actually, our, uh, all of our months are named after pagan deities, all of our days. So if one wanted to be consistent, you'd have to develop a whole system to everything and throw it all out. 
Um, but again, it doesn't make me a pagan. Again, Hitler brushes teeth, so I'm going to knock mine out. There's no demand. But the Enneagram is decisively different. It is, I would say, qualitatively different. It is, it is saying this is the system, this is the glasses through you, which you must view reality, and everything flows to this. And then as you look at the matrix of it, the dynamics of it, the foundations of it, it once again is completely unbiblical. It's at best pantheism or panentheism. And only Christians, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, who are naive and don't know better can use it and say it's okay and it's all good. Because it's, it's not all good. There are things that look good that are not. And I'm going to argue this is one. And again, not just the history, not just its origin. It, it, the, the contemporary, if you look at the contemporary authors, Rohr and Ox and all the main players, Helen Palmer and all that, they teach radical occult, occult concepts. They deny the unique deity of Jesus Christ. They deny salvation by grace alone through faith alone. All Eliox and all paths lead to God. Most of them are into reincarnation or transmigration which I have a free handout out there that is completely unbiblical, antithetical to Christianity, they're, they're mutually exclusive. And if you think about a pastor's job description, it's already laid out in Scripture what a pastor is supposed to be doing. He's to preach and teach the Word, give himself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. And sadly, what's happened is in the professing Christian church, a lot of churches are not teaching the Bible, really not focusing on expositional teaching. There's so much there. I mean, we just started a series in Second Kings, and it's, un, it, it's, it's amazing the content and substance that are there taking us to the gospel. We don't need the Enneagram. We've got plenty. We've got 66 books, and most... Most of us as believers haven't even really tapped into the depth of those. So why why are we going there? I understand, you know, churches have gotten entrenched in it, but I almost feel like, you know, at this point, would it be pride that would keep someone from walking away? What would be the reason, even if one's deeply entrenched, what would be the reason to hang on to it when you realize what's going on here? I mean, exactly, exactly. And and I'm going to I'm going to challenge that they're being led by the Spirit. I, I've heard that so many times, and people are doing things unbiblical. Yeah, the Spirit led me to rob banks. You go, well, come, that's unbiblical. I'm arguing this is unbiblical. Pasa grape theotmistas. All Scripture is God breathed. It is the product of God. It's by the Holy Spirit. I was watching. If I gave his name, I will. Brian Houston. All right, Hillsong, right? And he's talking about this other teacher who's a great man of God, led by the Spirit, and the guy denies the Trinity. T.D. Jakes is like, excuse me, what, what? there's an oxymoron here. You're claiming this guy is led by the Spirit, and he's denying what the Spirit says. The Spirit may not honk his own horn and draw attention to himself, but he's not confused. He's not suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia or whatever and forgot who he was. So with all due respect, I'm going to challenge their being led by the Spirit. They might have been led by the Spirit, but now they have given ear to another Spirit that is not the Spirit of God because anything that contradicts God's Word is... God doesn't say yes and no, Paul tells us in Corinthians. Yet your yes be yes and your nay be nay. People teaching this, with all due respect... Are are not led by the Spirit of God. They're doing what's antithetical to the Spirit of God. They're grieving the hearts of God. They're leading people astray. And that's why, you don't think I have anything better to do on a Sunday night than get into another dust dust up, (laughs) brush up? I could be watching sports right now, folks. Come on. And, And Craig, what you said, the objective test, examine everything carefully, hold fast to that, which is good. Okay, we're running out of time. I think we have a question over here. I think it's going to turn on. There we go. 
Um, I think you guys have done a good job of laying out the origins, the teachings. I'm curious how pastors, leaders have been able to let this pass their guard. Like how, how has it snuck in? Is it just that it was packaged as a test? Like, I, I, not having read anything around it, I, I struggle to understand how churches are accepting this thing that is obviously so uh, antithetical yeah. to Christianity. Yeah, and, and you know, when we look at, we can't judge motive, right? I mean, only God knows. But he, but here's the deal. Somehow, I mean, Marshall Mont- Montenegro calls it a Trojan horse that slipped into the church. Obviously, you know, look look like a great thing, and all of a sudden, you know, now it gets revealed what's at the heart of this. So how did it happen? I would argue that it happened because people didn't do their homework. I mean, let's face it. If something comes across my desk, and I'm not saying anybody has a perfect record, we've all made mistakes, so we want to give as much grace as possible. And I'm sure people had good intentions, and maybe they took the test or you know, got a book from a so-called Christian author and thought it was great. It was baptized in, you know, by a Christian publisher, etc. And then all of a sudden, you find out the origins of something. So it, it's not true that every spiritual leader is investing tons of time in researching things. I mean... Oftentimes, pastors don't even spend the right amount of time that needs to be spent on preparing the Word of God to preach it. So I think that's what's happened. But if you look at the idea of deception and then the role of a shepherd or the watchtower, you know, obviously the guard has been let down in these settings. And it's it's not good, uh, but it's something that we can, churches can repent of and get away from. Uh, so I, I w- that's what I would say. I'm, I'm a pastor. I've been doing this for a long time now. This is my 27th year as a pastor. And I've seen a lot of crazy things in the church. And I would just say, obviously, this means that people just didn't do their homework. And the Trojan horse analogy, I think, is a good one. Preach. Let me come back to this. This is so important. Sorry, Michael. Preach the word in season and out of season, whether it's convenient or not. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but instead will gather to themselves teachers telling them what their itching ears want to hear. Michael started with Acts 20. Paul says, even among your own numbers, you elders of Ephesus will arise those who draw off disciples after themselves. So a couple of thoughts here on, on your really important question. Part of it is we change the standard. The word canon is a standard word in theology. It came out of the Hebrew, used transliterated in the New Testament. It's the measure, it's the standard, and Scripture was the standard. But Scripture is no longer the standard. It's my experiences. People tell me how it's meeting their needs. People are uh, we're having giant services. People are X, Y, and Z. So the standard is different than God's standard. And by the way, a shepherd at best is an under-shepherd. We are all under-shepherds. Christ is the shepherd. My value is only as I'm faithful to the King of King and Lord of Lords. We sung it earlier. What other thing do I have to offer a king? Right? Our job as shepherds, as pastors, as teachers is to stay true to the word. And so, but pastors, they get lost. They, they lose sight. They lose their bearings. You hear of pilots who lose, their controls go out and they lose whether they're going up or down and they run into a hill, a mountainside because they, they lost their bearings. So 
people lead barons, and it's not that hard. Look, all of us are that easily deceived. Study the church history. A classic book is by Harold O.J. Brown called Heresies. Now, we could talk Eutychianism, Nestorianism, Arianism, Apollinarianism. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on, right? And by the way, many heretics were said they were the nicest people. A guy named Arius of Alexandria, who had views kind of like the Jehovah Witnesses, the Council of Nicaea, it was said of him he was a really nice guy, him and his Eusebius uh, of Nicomedia, the guy over him, the archbishop. But being nice doesn't cut it. It's like a doctor. I want a doctor with nice bedside manner, but I'll take over that, a doctor who knows what they're doing, and maybe is cold and not very friendly, but when it comes to operate on my heart and my brain knows what they're doing. And Craig, even the idea of pragmatism, Israel was drawn to the gods of the surrounding countries because they thought that they could get fertility blessings. There was some benefit, you know, they're doing well over here, so let's try this. They dabbled in stuff because it felt good. There, there were obviously all kinds of debauched things that happened, but there was also fertility promise of, of blessing. And sometimes what we do is we see something popular and we want to win a popularity contest or it's drawing numbers. So we jump on the bandwagon and and this can happen in the past. Can I say the obvious? Pastors are people. They have their own failings and faults. We need accountability. I would say, and he didn't ask me to say this, one of the beauties of Michael, how long have we known each other? We go back to the uh, early 90s, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And But he's teaching the word, teaching the word, teaching the word, teaching the word. You, People, want, you want the money now or later? Thank you. Make <laughs> checks payable. But, but, but it's easy to give in because it can be discouraging. And look at the church down the road that's got twice crippled the membership, whatever. It's, you want me to keep teaching the Bible? Those plants grow exceedingly slow, but I would argue strong in the Lord. But it takes years to see the fruit of it. But it's yes. easy to give in to the quick fix and the new exciting whiz-bang program. Take my course, get my tapes, do my study, whatever, and you too can grow a large congregation yes. or what have you. Yes. Steve? My thought is this. Um, do you know their origin, where they were born, where they were raised culturally? Is it very similar in the globe where they're from, or are they scattered throughout the various parts of the globe? They're scattered about the parts of the world, but what they all had in common is they rejected orthodoxy. There's a fa- infamous quote from, from uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, a famous uh, existentialist. He said one time he was convicted of stealing something, and he felt the Holy Spirit convicting him. And he said, I collared that whole rascal, the Holy Spirit. I caught hold of him, and I threw him out, and he's never been back. There was, I take that very literal. He believed he really kicked God out of his life. Some of these guys, their parents wanted him to be priest. And I think even, in fact, not Ospensky, but certainly um, uh, Gurdjieff. And they rejected that in favor of... of Gurdjieff was interested in demon possession, and he went to study it. By study it, I mean get involved with it. He rejected the truth. They all have in front of them. They reject the simple, plain truth, and they want something else. And I believe, I'm sorry, the devil's in service of serving people what they want. What would you like? There's a religion for everybody. You may not be a hell's angel biker. You may, may want to be a philanthropist or a, an academic or whatever. But there's something for everybody who doesn't want the truth. Thessalonians says they all perish because they believe the lie, because they loved not, not the, truth. the truth. That's right. And, P- and Romans 1 says they suppress the truth 
in unrighteousness, whatever their motive may be, it's unrighteous at its root. Well, here we are. It's now 8.20 in the evening. You've been a wonderful uh, group to interact with. And I think uh, our time has run out, but we're, we're very grateful. We want to thank you for joining us tonight. Um, if you have additional questions, Craig does have a table at the back. He's got a lot of resources there. Many of them are free. I'm going to say something quickly. Yeah, on go that. ahead. Yeah. Most of it, a lot of it's free. There's a lot of stuff that's out of print you can't hardly find anymore. There's some of the best of the best works. There's a lot of stuff. Let me just say this. You go, I can buy it on Amazon. Yes, but this, the, the funds from this go to support needy children. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> so... Would you all stand? Uh, Next month, I'm going to Nepal. It helps pay for the ministry, do what we do. So anyways, please take a look, see at the table back there. Sorry. Thanks. No, no, Craig, that's good. And I know you've you've been doing a lot of uh, missions trips to India and stuff, and we want to support you as best we can. Well, thank you so much for being here. Hey, uh, keep your eyes open for the next 633 event. Let me say, uh, I think I know most of you in the room, but if you've not met Jesus, the true Jesus, as your Lord and Savior... You know, I like to say he's just a prayer away because he is. He's here. He's not far from any one of us. He knows you. He made you. He loves you. But you have to have a moment when you ask him to be your Lord and Savior. You must trust the true Christ of the Bible in order to be saved. He is the only one who saves. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus didn't talk about a fourth way. He said, I am the way the truth, and the life, and no one's coming to my Father except through me. Now, someone could say that's narrow and bigoted, but you could also say, isn't it wonderful that God made a way? And the way that he made a way is by dying a horrible death on the cross for us, taking the wrath of God, dying in our place. Amen? That's how good he is. That's how much he loves you. The true God who made the world and everything in it came down on a saving mission. He's the only one who can save you. So despite all the isms and and so-called gospels that run amok out there, there's only one God and there's only one way to be saved. One God, one way of salvation. And you need, you and I need to know who God is and how we get saved. Amen. Before we leave this world, that's, that's really the most important thing. Who is God and how do I get to know him? How can I be right with him? And in the gospel, that's what we find, the good news of Jesus Christ. And I know, you know, knowing most of you personally, I know not only do you believe that, but you're ambassadors of that message. And so keep doing it and keep preaching the good news and praying for people and, and speak, you know, have your words seasoned with salt and try to speak to people with grace. But if you don't know Jesus, maybe you're watching via live stream and you've not met him and you were curious about tonight, you know, he is still saving people. Every, I think every day on this globe, somebody probably reaches out somewhere and cries out to the living God. He's so good, so, uh, you know, willing to save anybody who comes to him, he will not reject. So if you don't know him, something like this, Lord Jesus, I believe in who you are. I believe that you're God, the second person of the Holy Trinity. I believe that you came down on a saving mission. You were the God-man, 100% God, 100% man. I believe that you lived the perfect life I could never live, died on the cross to take my punishment, my shame, rose from the dead just like you said you would, and now you've ascended into heaven at the right hand of the Father. I believe in who you are. I believe in the triune God, 
and I repent of my sin. Maybe you need to repent of stuff you've dabbled in. Maybe it's not the Enneagram, something else perhaps that is not of God. And you know, Jesus, when he assesses the church in Revelation 2 and 3, the churches, the seven, many times he says, repent and return to your first love. And if that's you tonight, maybe you've just wandered away as a believer. Well, Jesus would say, repent and come back to me. I am your first love. I'm standing at the door and knocking, open the door and let me back in as first in your life. Thank you, Lord, that you're so gracious and so patient. Thank you for Craig tonight. Thank you for the team that made this happen. Bless everyone as they go their way. And may you be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Good night. If you have a question, we'll be waiting for you. Well, this is Pastor Michael. Hey, I'm so glad that you had a chance to listen to these minisodes on the Enneagram. Now, this is the third a series of minisodes we've done. We did the resurrection. We tackled the Roe v. Wade decision. And now we are dealing with something called the Enneagram. And you might have wondered, well, why did they tackle this? Well, because it's permeating the professing church. And we're concerned about our brothers and sisters. And we're supposed to shepherd the flock and be on the watchtower and make sure that we protect the sheep from false teaching and false teachers. Now, please remember that a lot of people who have dabbled into the Enneagram, taken the test, maybe even have embraced some of some of its teachings, maybe just didn't know. And now that you know, or you know someone who's involved in it, the question is, what do you do now? And I think the answer is clear. (laughs) You know, you repent and you get away from it because it's really not biblical. It has no value. The Bible's got everything that we need. You know, the Lord's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So let's stay on track. Let's test everything uh, against the scripture. Hold fast to that which is good, that which is true, and that will, that which will actually edify and glorify God. So glad you listened. Remember, this is Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael. Hey, keep us in prayer. Support us as you can. We appreciate it. You can always go to walkintruth.com to find out much more about what we're doing walkintruth.com. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to A Step Closer. Let us know your thoughts on today's topic. You can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. You can also let us know a topic or question you'd like us to answer and discuss. Again, email us at contact at walkintruth.com. Walk in truth.